0: Welcome to Spoiler Piece Theater, a podcast that doesn't give a shit about spoilers. We just want to talk about the movies. My name is Megan Kearns. I write film reviews for Edge Media Network, and I'm a member of the Boston Online Film Critics Association.
1: My name is Dave Riedel. My pronouns are he, him. I write about movies, and I, too, am a member of the Boston Online Film Critics Association. And my name's Evan Crean. My pronouns are he, him.
2: I'm co-chair of the Boston Online Film Critics Association and co-author of your 80s movie guide to better living. Yeah, you are. (laughs) (laughs)
0: so my pronouns are she her and before we dig into this week's episode we want to tell you about our patreon episode this week every week we do bonus episodes and this week we talked about the 1999 teen rom-com classic (sighs) 10 things i hate about you
1: I like the pause between teen rom-com and classic that I don't know, <laughs> that made me giggle for some reason.
0: You know why? Because I call a lot of things a classic because it's a cult classic. It's, it's kind of become a classic in pop culture. But then I always have you in the back of my head, Dave, being like, that's not a classic.
1: <laughs> oh, I no. I just thought the pause was funny. <laughs> that's all.
0: <laughs> but that's what the pause is for. <laughs> yeah.
1: I would agree with you though. I think that's, uh, you know, it's, Overall, such a delight. How could it not be a classic? Especially if you were of the age to see it at the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad we did it. I guess it's the short version.
0: <laughs> Me too. We had a lovely conversation. A lot of fun. So if you're a patron, go check it out. And if you're not a patron, consider subscribing. And 10 Things I Hate About You is actually very fitting. Evan, that was your great idea. Because <laughs> this week, we are talking about each of our top 10 lists for 2021. So we're talking about our top 10 films of the past year. And I'm excited Mm -hmm. to dig into what we each loved and see where we diverged, where we overlapped. This is always one of my favorite conversations of the year. So I'm super pumped and excited to to dig in.
2: Yeah, me too.
1: Sure, I'm excited.
0: (laughs) Well, on that note, Dave, why don't you kick things off by sharing your list?
1: Sure. Happily. Um, So my uh, number 10 film, I'll just do them, you know, one at a time. I got to tell you all the ones. My number one film is Passing. Your number one or your number 10? Sorry, my number 10. I beg your pardon. I'm such a dope. Yes, that's my (laughs) number 10 film. (laughs) Good God. I can't even keep a coherent thought in my head for three seconds. Yes, my number 10 film of the year <laughs> is Passing, directed by Rebecca Hall, screenplay by her based on Nella Larson's book, starring Tessa Thompson, Ruth Naga, Andre Holland. Um, I have a feeling this is on at least one other ballot. Yes?
0: Uh, it's in mine. Yeah. <laughs> it was my number three film.
1: <laughs> e- Evan, did it make yours?
2: It uh, didn't make top 10, but it was definitely in my top 20 movies from yeah. this year.
1: Yeah. Um, I just, uh, what really did it for me got this. I mean, there are so many black and white movies this year. So it was kind of strange to. There really are. Re- I know. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's, it's wild. It's like how there's, you know, I, now, of course, it, I can't think of any. It's how the, all the body switching comedies came out in 1986 and 1987 at the same time. It's like this year, it's like every other movie is in black and white.
2: But mm-hmm. part of the Belfast. reason I like this...
1: Yes, Belfast, on, the one with on. Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, come on, come on. I, part of the reason I like this is, is one, I liked the way it looked. It was, it was... I felt like it was black and white for a reason other than how we talked about, come on, come on. It's like, why is this movie in black and white? I don't even understand. Mm-hmm. And I really just liked Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega's performances mm. so much. I just thought that they were so good. Um. That,
0: Those were my favorite performances of the year, actually.
1: Yeah they they were definitely um, they weren't in my top three, but
0: <laughs> uh, they were in mine, <laughs> both of them. <laughs> they were
1: really
2: good. Yeah, but but good, good looking movie too. Like great cinematography, uh, stunning, the, um, haunting ending.
1: That mm-hmm. Just oof. yeah, I really the more I thought about that's another reason it made my top ten is the more I think about ending is it's it's so open to interpretation whether it's a push or a fall or a jump you know Mm -hmm. it's like who who can say um and that was one of the things that that actually kind of pushed it into the top 10 for me because i was like "Eh, there's some other movies that i you know quote liked unquote better but i i think that ending combined with the cinematography combined with the performances um And I I really like them both, but I I think Tessa Thompson really I think she was really or she is because movies live in perpetuity unless they're lost films as they were shot on Nitrate, but I digress. I think Mm -hmm. Tessa Thompson is just magnetic in this part Mm -hmm. Um, and to watch her in this role is really, um, I mean joy is not the right word, I don't think because of the subject matter maybe, but She's just so good, so believable, so, you know, nuanced with looks and inflections and, you know, the way she moves her eyebrows. It's just, she's the best in this mm-hmm. part. So.
0: I agree with you. I found both of them absolutely riveting and magnetic. So, completely agree.
1: Unless you have anything to add, Megan, I was going to move on to my number nine film.
0: Oh, yeah. I would just say that on top of all of the glowing praise you're giving it, which I completely am on board with and agree with, I also think having watched it multiple times, I think it's a very layered film, very complex. In certain scenes, can seem very simple, like deceptively so, but I think there's just so much going on, like you were saying, with looks and with the framing of the camera and choice of color palette, because even though it's black and white, they're still lots of nuance with shades of gray and yep. yeah. So I just, yeah, because of the complexity of it and also yes, that it's so haunting. Um, yeah, no, but I'm so glad it made your top 10. I'm excited.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm excited too. Yay. Uh, Yay! <laughs> my, my number nine film is, uh, one of the last movies I saw before voting. Um, might, maybe the last movie. I'm not sure the worst person in the world. Um, Nice. Norwegian movie. Uh, I am not even going to attempt to pronounce these names, except maybe the director is Joachim Trier. Does that sound right?
0: It's Joachim.
1: Joachim. Well, because it's Norwegian, so of course. (laughs) But uh, anyway, the uh, two lead performances in this, first of all, the title, The Worst Person in the World, is sort of amazing. Um, (laughs) It's a little (laughs) clickbaity. It's definitely (laughs) clickbaity. And it's not even really one of the other characters says that he's the worst person in the world i don't remember mm-hmm. who says it which of the the other men in this well other men she's not a man she's a one show one of the other characters says it um but i like it is clickbaity and when you watch it like i don't really know what i was expecting other than it was getting like a lot of praise and i was like okay i'll watch this movie and it looks interesting and obviously, she's not the worst person in the world. <laughs> there are lots of people worse than she is. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the idea is that uh, you know maybe you feel this way because things in your life aren't going the way you think they will, or the impacts you have on relationships. Your relationships don't work out the way you think you will. They will. You look back on decisions you've made, and you're like, eh. And then you look at other decisions, and you're like, oh no, that was totally right. Um, and this is just uh, very. It's not even a slight it it's just it just follows our main character, Julie, um, from roughly what is she in her early twenties to her late 20s? Did either of you did this make your ballot? Either of you? It, no, it didn't make my ballot. This
0: didn't make my ballot, but this would be in my top twenty. Yeah. And it the supporting actor, Daniel Anders.
1: Anders Danielson Lee?
0: Thank you. Yes. He made mm-hmm. my he made my ballot for best supporting actor. He did.
1: He was my number one best supporting actor. He is just it's a flawless performance. It's um, so good. It really that, is so good. Not that the woman who plays Julie isn't great. She is. Oh no, she is great. Um it's uh but he is so This is one of those things. I've seen him in other movies and it's just and I've always liked him, but in this I just thought you he is this guy. Mm-hmm. You know? It's just one of those um I would call it like a uh, a transparent performance in the sense that you're like looking through the actor to the character. Like you don't even see the actor anymore. Um, Yeah. He just
0: melts into the character. Totally.
1: Um, And I just love the story about, you know, movies about people who are struggling with their identities, whatever their identity is and their role in life and what they think they're supposed to do. All that shit just always, if it's done well, uh, rings true to me. Um, So that's a big part of the reason I got into it uh, as much as I did. And there were also some really interesting, not sci-fi flourishes, but just some unusual, because it's not a sci-fi movie, but there are some... Uh, some psychedelic. Psychedelic. There you go. Like when time slows down <laughs> and she runs to, you know, she leaves the apartment with Anders Danielson Lee. Yeah, uh, it's a very
0: magical realist touch. That's,
1: that's the phrase. That's what I'm looking for um You're and, welcome. like time slows down <laughs> and she runs all the way to the other guy and like spends a whole day with him you know and then runs back and she she hasn't like she spent a whole day with the other guy and evening i think but then she runs back to her apartment and it's the moment she left mm-hmm. um, and there's a few moments not specifically like that but there are a few magical realism moments that really work um and that some could, magical mushroom moments yes there are those two <laughs> That's right. That's right. She uh, she trips on mushrooms. Um, oh, my God. I you know, I usually don't like the way they portray drug trips in movies because it's almost always wrong. But that one's pretty close to what can happen. <laughs> I, I, am I speaking from experience? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I'll have to take your word for it. <laughs> so anyway, that was my number nine. Um, That's anybody, also a really
0: well-written movie, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Solid, solid work all around. Anybody have any additional thoughts on that one? Nope. Nope. Numero eight. I got these in the wrong order. I'm your man, which nice. is. Im- yeah. Yeah. Loved that movie. Yeah. I just was, I, I, you know, it's funny. Um, a lot of non-English language movies, I don't even, I, you know, made my list this year. My number one movie, which we'll get to is tell you about what it is when we get there. But anyway, this is a German movie, or is it Austrian? I can't remember. They speak German German in the movie. And this is the one about um, the robot. (laughs) Dan Stevens is a robot. And uh, Maren Eggert is the woman who's supposed to test out the robot. She's the main character. I just really... I I don't really think I can articulate very well why I liked this so much, other than, for one thing, uh, the way that... The AI works in the movie is the robot gets smarter as time goes on, like learning your your things, and it almost becomes it, it's not human. But you know, I always feel like in movies where you have androids or robots or whatever, it's going to be like Alien, where Ian Holm just turns evil for no reason, <laughs> and and in this movie. You know, Dan Stevens always has this smile, or he's about to smile on his face, you know, and it's like, oh my God, is he going to turn evil? And he never does. He's delightful. But I just really liked the whole question of what is it to be human? What is it to interact with other humans? What are relationships? How do they work? You know, what does one person bring out in us? Is this, you know, something? Can you replicate, you know, a happy relationship? with a non-human. I don't know. I I am mm-hmm. I'm, I'm blubbering, but um I'm not blubbering. I'm babbling. No.
0: But it's a delightful film. And it's it really is. smart.
1: And it's also really funny too. Yes. In yes. very subtle ways. And a lot of that is because um there's a whole bunch of there are several jokes, a whole bunch. There are several jokes about how Dan Stevens who um who does speak German, but he speaks it uh, according to the characters in the movie with an English accent, <laughs> which I just, I mm-hmm. think that's really funny and it, how many times it comes up. Um, I don't know. So, and then when you figure out that his handler is a robot too, uh, that's fun. Anyway, mm-hmm. I, I Good really, movie. yeah, I really had a lot that's of fun. It's funny. It. It's insightful.
2: It's delightful. It's well acted. It's, it's all those things. I really enjoyed it
1: too. And you enjoyed it, right, Megan? You said that, didn't you?
0: Yeah. No, yeah, you I loved did. it. This didn't make my top 10, but it definitely made my top 20.
1: Yeah. All Same. right. Well, then moving on to my next movie. I don't know which number I've come to. I think this is number seven. It um, is number seven. <laughs> the Green Knight, written and yes! directed by David Lowry. You know, this is one of those things where it's like everyone has, for years talked about how great Dev Patel is. And I've never seen... Um, the one that made him uh, the Danny Boyle movie, Slumdog Millionaire. I've never seen that. And i the only thing I've really seen him in is uh, that terrible Aaron Sorkin show, The Newsroom. Um, and so... <laughs> that is
0: not a true showcasing of his talents, to be fair. <laughs> it's not a showcasing
1: of anybody's fucking talent, um, mm. that show. Uh, so I really... I wouldn't say that I ran cold on him, but, you know, it's just like, eh, Deb Patel, whatever. And then I saw him in this and I'm like, dude, you fucking kicked this movie's ass. You are awesome in this part. You know?
0: He is. He was one of my top three actors for the year.
1: Yeah. And this was
0: also on my ballot too. Cool. I love that you had it, too, because it's so good. Yeah,
1: it's just really great. You know, I'm not really a big sword and sorcery kind of person, but God damn it, if this movie didn't work from start to finish for me, mm-hmm. I loved all the mystical stuff and the unexplained just how, you know, I, I like that they don't explain the myth of the Green Knight. You're just launched into the story. Yep, you know? it's so
0: much better that they don't waste exposition. It's just, nope, here we are.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's no exposition mm-hmm. in this movie. None. And it's awesome. You're just kind of like, I, you're either on board or you're not, basically. Yep. And, and I got on board. And uh, Joel Edgerton, fun, as always. Love me some Joel Edgerton. Uh, the knight, of course, is the... Um, <laughs> Ralph Innocent, is that his name? Yes. The green, the green knight, I mean, who you may recall from The Office, but also as the, uh, the, the head of the family, the patriarch, whatever, in The Witch, who gets impaled by a goat. So, um, <laughs> he was, he was quite fine as the green knight and I loved, um, Dev Patel's mother. I loved how the Sean Harris as the King. Uh, you know, a lot of times you see the King in this, in this story kind of like, <clears throat> and he's like this sort of tender, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, you must go on your way, and that will be very difficult. And I am sad for you. <laughs> it's
0: just yeah, he's the, very gentle.
1: Yeah, it's the best. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of nice. It's like, oh, people in this movie aren't assholes. I mean, there are some assholes.
0: Uh, whoa, <laughs> I
1: said a lot of there are assholes
0: in this movie. <laughs>
1: well, sure. I, that I. That's why I said there are some assholes. Um, but overall, I just thought just heart pounding, good action, good weirdness. You know, no ex, I-, I love me some no exposition. So that was a lot of fun for me. Megan, you said it was on your ballot too.
0: It is on my ballot. Yeah. I think David Lowry is a really fantastic director. I love his vision. I'm always intrigued to see what he's going to do with a film. And I think this is such a fantastic adaptation. And I love that he was faithful in certain ways, but also very much made this his own. I found this riveting from start to finish, and it it is so weird, and it revels in its mystical weirdness. And I love that. I love the look of it, the cinematography, production design, gorgeous.
1: It's a beautiful movie.
0: It really is, and i I think Dev Patel is so good. I just I think the acting across the board is really fantastic. Like you said, Sarita Choudhury, who plays his mother, she is always great, but she's exceptional here. And because most of the acting she's doing is wordless, she conveys so many emotions just through her body language and face. So yeah, I just, I loved this. I thought this was, this was great. This was another one that just stuck with me through most of the year.
1: Evan, did you, uh, I know you saw it, but did it make your, it didn't make your list, I don't think, right?
2: No, it it didn't. Um, But I I definitely appreciate aspects of it. I I liked Dev Patel quite a bit. I I love the art direction of this
1: film. And yeah, there are definitely parts of it I dug. Cool, or as Andy Sandberg would say, cool, 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 cool. Um, <laughs> number six on my list is Together, Together. Oh, which I'm, film! I'm guessing nobody else had on their <laughs> on their ballot. Written and directed by Nicole Beckwith, starring Patty Harrison and Ed Helms. Um, I just really loved the relationship. First of all, I, I loved Patty Harrison's um, portrayal of uh, Anna. Loved her loved Ed Helms um doing kind of a variation on the Ed Helms thing but in a very nice organic way nice is a bad word but sorry and i really just dug this movie which is about patty harrison as a surrogate for ed helms who's going to have a kid he's going to be have a kid on his own be a single father um mm-hmm. and the f- friendship that they form over the the course of the of the pregnancy and just how, as close as they get, I talked about this when we did the show, when we talked about it in the show the first time, I kind of feel like their friendship ends when the child is born the way the way the movie ends. It, it was a very bittersweet ending for me and it just stuck with me and I loved it. I don't want to say their friendship ends. Their, fr- their friendship changes. Mm-hmm. And, and I just thought Patty Harrison was great. She's funny and just... Just a great performance.
2: Yeah, I thought this was a good movie as well. Sweet and bittersweet at the same time. Uh, and I liked the performances and I thought they had good chemistry together. And I I mean, and I always like seeing movies and I think we should see more movies about platonic love and other kinds of love that can exist between people, <laughs> not just romantic love.
1: Yeah, so. She says at one point to Ed Helms, I love you, but not in a gross way. <laughs> it's just <laughs> such a great line. <laughs> Um anyway, uh Megan, do you have anything to say about this one?
0: No. Like I said, it's a good it's a lovely film and I agree with both of what you're saying. So,
1: yay. alrighty, number 5 on my list, The Dry, which is uh in case anybody forgot, it's an Australian movie directed by Robert Connolly, starring Eric Bana as a police officer who goes home to uh attend a funeral and he has to deal with being implicated in a crime that happened what two decades ago, long time ago, when he was a teenager, and between him and some of his friends, and um, it's just I, I like the slow burn of this movie because it's a thriller or it's thriller esque, um, but it's also a mystery, and I also like that the main character uh, Eric Banner is wrong. Everybody's wrong about what they think happened, um, you know, twenty years ago which is the unsolved death of one of um, his friends. I don't know. It's not like in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies when even though Batman's Batman, he's like tricked by every villain in the movie. (laughs) And you're like, wait a minute, why is this guy the savior of Gotham City? He's an idiot. But in this, it's like, oh, everybody's wrong about what happened here. And when we do finally find out, it's just, it's heartbreaking. And... I don't know. I just, uh, I also love all movies that are Australian, but like dark. So, um, <laughs> which this is. And the dry, of course, refers to the drought um, in the place, in the area where the movie takes place. Good stuff.
0: Yeah. Eric Bana is
1: great in it. Oh, he's so good. I heard him on a podcast. I think it was Mark Marin's podcast about six months ago or whenever this came out. And um he was just talking about like why he's not a movie star. And it was just kind of he was kind of like, I just don't really want to be. You know, after Ooh, the Hulk. Yeah, like after, that. after the Hulk, it was kind of like, eh, I'm not sure if this is for me. <laughs> <laughs> I like <laughs> you know? that. Good for him. Yeah, he's just like, so yeah, I just do the things that I like, you know, which is not what he sounds like at all. But um anyway, that was uh on my list as number five. Uh at number four, King Richard. Now Biopics are not my thing. Sports biopics are not my thing. I do follow tennis, so I, I, I know this, the, the Williams sister's story, but this is about their father and his efforts to get um, Serena, and particularly, they focus more on Venus than they do Serena, um, although Serena is obviously a big part of the story too, but focusing on getting who would become, argue, well, I think Serena Williams, you could say, is, the greatest professional tennis player ever. Um, And Venus uh, is in the top 10. And what he does to get them where they are and um, or where they end up. And also the family dynamic and the closest of their family and how he's sometimes is kind of a jerk. And his wife is like, you're a jerk. And I just kind of love that she, you know, there are scenes where she's like, you got to stop doing this shit um Mm -hmm. there are some things that don't work like uh as far as like the whole like random drive-by shooting not random the drive-by shooting scene where you get the impression that richard's going to like shoot some guy who beat him up in the at the tennis court and then that guy gets gunned down at a drive-by shooting which didn't happen in real life but um or at least not the way it's portrayed so they're 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 screenplay things that you've got to cram in you know x y and z because this is this covers a big swath of the early part of of venus and serena's career um but i just uh really dug all the performances um will smith uh is very unwill smith like as richard williams um i really liked um Sonny Sydney, who plays Venus and uh, John Bernthal uh, warmed on me over time <laughs> with his accent and hair and mustache. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was, he was
2: funny. I really liked him in the supporting role. It felt different than other things I've seen him in both like tonally and performance. And I was actually reading that he did he trained like in t- he was training in tennis, like learning tennis, and also getting practice coaching in Ooh, when he was preparing for this I like role. That. Apparently, yeah. he's very he's very into preparing for his roles.
0: <laughs> That's why he's so good.
2: Yeah, yep, he is good. But agree, this movie I really enjoyed this movie as well, and I don't think it made my top uh, twenty. But it, it, some really great performances from Will Smith and Anjana Ellis. Um, yes, in she's particular. Great. And uh, yeah, just like a really solid sports movie, and um, yeah, just a compelling story overall. I think. Megan,
1: did you like King Richard? Hmm. Did, did you see King Richard? Yeah, oh, we reviewed yeah. it. No, I know. Yeah. Um,
0: I I liked it when I saw it. It definitely did not stay with me.
1: Yeah, no, I, I hear that. It's definitely it's not for everyone. Um, yeah,
0: I do think Will Smith is really good in it, and so are the, and so are. And so are the girls who play Venus and Serena. But yeah, but for me, the movie as a whole is not not my jam.
1: Uh, Number three on the old list is Licorice Pizza. I don't know how much we need to talk about this because I feel like everyone's talking about this movie.
0: But not everyone's heard our opinions on it.
1: That's true. This is, as you all know, I am hot and cold on Paul Thomas Anderson. For every There Will Be Blood, there is a Magnolia um, or a Punch Drunk Love, which, (laughs) thank God, that movie's only 88 minutes long. Anyway, this is the story of platonic love of a way too old for this. Is one of those things where you feel kind of weird liking it as much as you do because if it were reversed, if it were a 25 year old man having a friendship with a 15 year old girl, that would be super creepy. And this is kind of creepy, but they it becomes clear very early on that they're just friends. And this is another story about platonic love about this kid who starts a bunch of businesses and is a wannabe actor and is a little bit. Not a little bit awkward. He's a lot awkward. It's the early 70s. It's like 73, I think, because Nixon is still president. And Alana Haim from Haim is the protagonist. She's great. This is her first major role. I don't even... Is this her first movie? I don't know. I should have looked that up. Yeah, it is. First movie? Yep. Good good on you for getting the lead from Paul Thomas Anderson. First movie. (laughs) Um, And I just... The other thing I liked about this so much is... is, um, how How it gets I don't remember the seventies well enough, and I wasn't alive in nineteen seventy three to know whether this is right, but it feels right, so I'm gonna go with it's right, and I also love the scene where she's driving the truck backwards, so um because if you've ever driven a truck backwards, yikes <laughs> so I don't know, I just really had fun with this. I think that there is some unfortunate stunt casting with Sean Penn and um uh Tom Waits, which really kind of there's like a fifteen, twenty minute there's fifteen or twenty minutes of this movie that just could have gone away and we would have lost lost nothing. But um still enjoyed it nonetheless. That's my take on that. Cool. Anyone else?
0: I haven't seen it yet.
1: Ah well, yeah you me neither. Um number two on the list, language lessons. Yay! Yeah, directed by Natalie Morales, written by Natalie Morales and Mark Duplass, and is basically just a two-person Zoom movie um about these it, it's about these two kids. Uh, uh Natalie Morales is a Spanish teacher and um Mark Duplass is her student, although he speaks Spanish fairly well, um conversationally at least. And um their friendship develops over time and a lot of it is about how the um you know the misconceptions we have about each other when we when we just make assumptions and how you get through that um, and how their mm-hmm. friendship develops despite the fact that he's a little bit of a bonehead. So I don't really have much more to say about it because uh, we talked about it a bunch and I know you both liked it a lot too. Um, mm-hmm. Did it make your list, either of you?
2: Yeah, it actually made my my top slot. Now to wow. spoil that. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: It was my number one. <laughs>
0: wow. And it did not make my top 10, but it did make my top 20.
1: Yeah. I just really loved this from start to finish. Um, Same.
0: It's wonderful.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's just sweet it's, movie. It's very it's, sweet and open hearted. And
2: yeah. It's, it hits you with a real gut punch toward the beginning when you find oh, out that, yes. man, also, yes. it's like Mark, Mark Duplass's partner has gotten him these lessons and then he dies. yeah it's like Uh, oh my god a hundred hours of lessons i think it is but really great movie and great was it natalie morales was it her directorial debut because i know she had two movies that came out this year that Mm -hmm. she directed this and plan b and i thought both were fantastic but this one for me like really knocked it out of the park and i just it hit me in all the emotional places and i just thought it was great and you know once again, getting back to Platonic Love, another great story about Platonic Love this year.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I just love that that Natalie Morales is a queer woman and her co-protagonist is also a queer person. So I just... Oh, yeah, that's right. I loved that. And I, yeah, I love their banter. I love, their, love the writing. I love the acting in this. Yeah. I was really sad that this did not make my top 10, <laughs> which is usually a sign that I probably should have put it in my top 10. <laughs> <laughs> but it is wonderful. I'm so glad that you guys had it on yeah. your ballots because yeah, it was great.
1: Um yeah, it is great. My last my number one movie of the year, dum dum, is Flea, which is a documentary and it's animated. I really like documentaries, animated documentaries. Mm. <laughs> but um god damn it if this didn't work for me. This is a story about um a man from Afghanistan. Who is separated from his family? He is um, a refugee in Denmark or Sweden. God, now I can't even remember. And I just watched it again, like two weeks ago or, or a month ago or whenever we were doing our ballots. But anyway, it's just this heartbreaking and human story of struggle and how Amin is and, and Amin is uh, gay and he can't come out to anyone he feels like and that's a big part of his identity and he has to keep it hidden um and so when he finally does come out to his family he is uh spoiler he is uh they are completely accepting of him which he is not expecting and um is a big relief um at the end of the movie i might add and um it's just nice to see a story like this with a happy ending instead of a tragic one Um, and I think that the way, you know, trying to keep his identity secret is, is part of the reason that it's animated. Um, so good choice. And it's just such, um, it just really from the moment it began to the moment it ended, I was just like, I'd said riveted about another movie. And I was riveted by this too, just with this guy, the whole way and just being like, Hope, I hope everything works out. I hope everything works out. Oh my God! Something terrible happened. I hope everything works out, and then it works out as best as it can. Um, just loved it. That's Flea. That's my top ten list. That's a Flea is a great documentary. It really is. Yeah, this is the second time I've had a documentary be my number one film.
0: Oh wow, that's right.
1: Yeah, I had a couple three years ago. The one about LA, the LA riots. Um, I don't remember what it's called now. Of course. Uh but that was yeah. I mean, I like the docs. When the docs are good, the docs go high on the list. <laughs> so that's anyway. a good one. Nice. Evan, I think it's your turn. Or is it yeah, Megan, it is. your turn? I don't remember.
0: No, I'm going last. Yeah.
2: So Evan is next. All right. Well, you know my number one. That's been <laughs> spoiled. Spoiler. Um but it felt <laughs> weird not to say anything during that segment talking about language lessons. But um I think that, that was the only overlap between our lists. So for me, my number 10 film was First Date, which I uh, I talked about during our Sundance episode. It was uh, my favorite movie that I saw at Sundance. It's just just zany, fun movie about a guy who buys this used car so he can go down on a date, and it's just hilarious, and it's a, kind of a thriller, kind of a crime movie and a comedy, and um, I actually... <laughs> ended up watching it it's on hulu right now ended up watching it again the night that we were doing our voting for Bafka um before i sat down and started tallying everybody's ballots up <laughs> and i enjoyed it just as much um my, it was staying with my in-laws at the time and they turned it on and they thought it was a hoot so i was glad that uh, they had a good time watching it it's just it's just so zany and so fun um and i also just like to use my 10 spot like we've talked about this on the show before, and I know this is a big thing Chris liked to do with his ballot for something that probably flew under the radar or might not get much kind of um attention from other folks, so first date ended up in my number ten slot because I was like to give it up for a movie that I enjoy that maybe other people might not have
1: caught, yeah, I think Chris's big number ten was Tusk by Kevin Smith. <laughs> <laughs> But um, let's see. So my
2: number nine was Beans, which is. Um, oh, yeah. Which I thought was just a, a fantastic movie. Um, God, I forgot really, about Beans. Yeah, it really, really hit me. It was very late. It's uh, Tracy Deer uh, wrote and directed it. And um, it's just a really compelling story, a uh, coming of age story, but also uh, an indigenous story about a period in in, in the early 90s in in Canada and it was just I don't know I just thought it was a really compelling film and uh, really well done well acted and it really it stuck with me it was one of those movies I kept going back and thinking about because it just it had a lot of great themes it was just really compelling and um, I just thought it was a fantastic movie
1: (laughs) yeah agree with all that
2: my number eight choice was Limbo which is a movie that we saw Ages and ages and ages ago, but it also stuck with me. It's uh, it's written and directed by Ben Chirac. And uh, it was about a group of refugees who are in Scotland.
1: Right. I forgot about Limbo. Oh, that's Don't a great. forget yeah, about it. It's so good. <laughs> it's a great movie. Oh, it's so great. Yeah. Oh, I'm pissed um, off at myself just,
2: now yeah, just a really compelling story about um, these guys who are refugees who are kind of waiting around in limbo, waiting to find out if they're, um, you know, get accepted as uh, for political asylum. And uh, it's just, yeah, it was a really well done, well acted, gorgeous film, like really fantastic cinematography and um, great cast. It was just, yeah, it was another movie that had a lot of stuff to think about, (laughs) a lot of themes uh really just you know just like getting you putting you in other people's shoes and i I love movies that do that and that, i mean that's why beans resonated with me this movie resonated just showing me different people's experiences putting me in their shoes and showing me what they're going through and the trials and tribulations especially you know being people who are seeking asylum and are kind of in a desperate situation, but they're kind of just have to like sit around and twiddle their thumbs and pass the time until they can find out either way whether they're going to get accepted or not. And so, hmm. yeah. there's also I, a gut punch too,
0: especially the second half of the film.
2: Oof. Yeah, yeah. it is. Because, you know, there's just stuff that comes up with the other refugees and one of them, uh, oof, I don't know, he, <laughs> one of them freezes to death. That was pretty horrendous. Oh my God, yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, just a really great movie. And it was one I saw earlier in the year in like March or April, I think is when we saw it. And I just couldn't get it out of my head. That was really great. My number seven is Shiva Baby. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> it's also Megan, on my list. Your- <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, Sh- Shiva Baby was one. I think it came out like w- really early in the year last year, like in like January or February. Um,
0: yeah, and but, I actually saw it the year before at a film fest. Same. So yeah, and then, no, but then it came to another film fest early in the year too. Because I saw That's it at right. two different film fests. <laughs> and then it came out.
2: <laughs> yeah. So that, um, written and directed by uh, Emma Seligman. Um, and just hilarious, just a hilarious fucking movie um, about a college student. I can't remember. if She's a recent graduate or if she's about to graduate. She goes no, she's to about to shiva- graduate.
0: She's still in college. That's
2: that's right. Yeah, and she goes to the shiva with her family. Um, it's
0: but she doesn't know who's very- died. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, yeah, it's a very Jewish movie, um, but it's just so fucking funny, just like top to bottom hilarious. Like all of the different complications of her being in a situation. Her ex girlfriend is there. The guy that she's a uh, a sugar sugar baby or sugar daddy. What arrangement? He's there with his wife and kid. Uh, it's just. It's a comedy, but it's also a horror movie. Yes. And it's just so well done as a horror movie. Um, they just, the, the music, the editing, it's just, mm-hmm. it was so fucking funny. And
0: <laughs> it is so funny, but it is so anxiety inducing and tense. I was tense the entire time and it's a short run time, but yeah. And the second time I watched it and the third time I watched it, it was still just as tense. It's so good though. Yeah. So good. And it's
2: only an hour and 17 minutes, which is crazy to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, it really is.
2: <laughs> it really gets you in that amount of time, but it's just it's just so funny, and the the performer like the Fred Melamed and Polly Draper who play her parents are fucking funny in this too. They're just oh my god. Polly so, Draper yeah, made
0: she- my ballot for Best Supporting Actress. She was one of the top, oh, my top three. Yeah, I think nice. her performance was so flawless and just stuck with me all year. Yeah, she was great. <laughs>
2: Loved Shiva Baby. I'm glad to hear it was on your uh wh- which spot did it hit in your um
0: We were gonna find out
2: Okay <laughs> Okay so alright so that was Shiva Baby uh the next one on my list is identifying features, which I Yes! that's certain is on your ballot, Megan. Oh my god, <laughs> yes it is. Yeah. Um another haunting movie that really stuck with me. Um about a mother who's trying to find her son. He was supposed to um, sneak over the border from Mexico into the U.S. He's gone missing. She's not sure if he's dead. And it's all about her journey all over Mexico to try and find him. And she has to navigate around the drug cartels and and all kinds of danger and bureaucracy. And it's just a gut punch of a movie. It's gorgeous, like incredible Mm -hmm. cinematography, Mm -hmm. but just so tragic uh, and so moving and just... I think I saw it. Yeah, I think it also came out like early in the year and and just I could not stop thinking about it. It's.
0: Yeah, it came out in January.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Just a hell of a fucking movie.
0: Yep, (laughs) And a very underrated film that I wish more people had seen.
2: Same. Yeah. It seemed like a movie that kind of flew under the radar for a lot of people. And I wish they had seen it because it was extremely compelling and it just really freaking good. Mm hmm uh Let's see. So where are we now? We've got that was number six. Number five for me was Saint Maud, which was yes, yeah. Some some good horror representation on the on my ballot here, especially as we're getting toward the top of the, <laughs> to the list. But yeah, Saint Maud, I thought was just uh, another just amazing horror movie. But it's the performances, it's mm-hmm. the editing, it's the like fucked up visuals.
0: Oh my God, that ending is still terrorizing me.
2: Yeah, it has a really, (laughs) it has a haunting ending. Uh, It's just, it's such a great story about someone like unraveling um, and their like intersection of them losing their grip on reality and embracing religion in a really toxic, scary way. Mm -hmm. The
0: obsession is running strong in that one.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it's so good. Yeah, it's so good. And it was one of those movies that like people saw at festivals and then just took like forever and ever and ever. They kept bumping the release date back. And so the movie, if you look on IMDb, it's just 2019. (laughs) We didn't Mm -hmm. get a chance to see it until like 2021 in any kind of uh, scale. So, yeah, it was worth the wait, I would say.
0: (laughs) That was one I was very sad didn't make my top 10. It's like my number 11.
2: (laughs) Oh, good. Yeah, it is really good. And just some horrifying imagery. It's yes. definitely not for people with like a, a uh <laughs> people who get super squeamish or easily queasy. Definitely you cannot watch St. Maud because <laughs> it's
1: <laughs> <laughs> oof. Mm. Okay.
2: Noted. Um, so the next one on my list is Riders of Justice. Ooh. Oh, great movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought Mads Mikkelsen is just he's always good uh, but he is just really freaking good in this movie and it's it's such a (laughs) like you read the summary on paper and you're like okay I think it's gonna be this like thriller about these guys trying to track down you know people who committed this terrorist act. you know and Mads Mikkelsen's wife died and then it turns into just such a different movie but I mean that in the best way it's like you enter the story by way of like revenge, but then you end up with a story about like PTSD mm-hmm. and like, in community. Uh, yeah, community, community and unexpected friendships and, and like chosen family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's so good. And I, it just was in, in such an unexpected way and so pleasantly surprising with its performances, the chemistry of the people in it the twists and turns that the story takes um, and, and dealing with the idea of like faith and destiny and all, all, all kinds of like themes that you would not expect based on paper, <laughs> seeing <laughs> what this movie is supposed to be about. Right.
0: I have to say between, I know everybody loves Mass and so much, but between this and another round, I'm like, I need to go back and watch
1: all of his. <laughs> oh, did you ever so. see the one where he's stranded in the Arctic?
0: No, no, oh, god. no, I haven't so seen very many of his films and I haven't seen Hannibal. So yeah, no, I haven't. So between these two performances, he is just so magnetic and I adore him. And yeah, this movie is so good. It's such a great film.
2: Mm-hmm. I love that it's on yeah. your, on your yeah. top list. It's really great. <laughs> so good. Number three is Nine Days, which. Oh, yes! good choice. Good choice. Yeah. Just another film that stuck with me. Um, Just this idea that you're interviewing people to decide whether they're going to be to live to have lives um it just it, it's a heartbreaking movie but moving and there's a lot of layers and it, there's a lot to think about and uh, i love winston duke in it i love Zessie mm-hmm. bates um and i love benedict wong he was really good he was uh, good in it i always enjoy him and i feel like he often does not get the um Praise that he deserves I agree with you yeah
0: Winston Duke he was my number two actor for um, for the year he was so good
1: he's so great in this part yeah
0: Mm -hmm. I love it love him love it
1: yeah big fan
2: obviously number (laughs) number three uh number two was Lucky which is another movie I I (laughs) I have a bunch of movies on here that we saw like early in the year that just really stuck with me no Lucky's great also one I feel like I kept hearing about from people who saw it at film festivals Mm -hmm. before I got a chance to see it and yeah I just I think it's a really compelling horror movie but horror with great social commentary at the same time this idea that like this the figure stalking her is like a, a metaphor for misogyny and uh the patriarchy and it's just I just thought it was extremely well done and really compelling, but also terrifying from a horror perspective. So it's just it covers a lot of ground in a good way. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Deep, deep cuts this year, Evan. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then we already know my number one is language lessons. So let's move on because I want to hear what I want to hear about Megan's top 10. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, I was like you could you could say something about language loss since I feel badly
2: because it's your number <laughs> No, one. I know we talked about it. We've said all the we gushed, we gushed.
0: It is so good though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all it's so funny though, a lot of the films on your list. Well, some of them there's some overlap as we'll see, but some mm-hmm. of them that you had on your list, Evan, they like didn't make mine, but they'd be in like my top 20 because there were so, I say this every year, there were so many great films because there really are. I can't stress that enough. Mm-hmm. If you think that they're not great films, I would argue you're not watching a broad enough range of films.
2: <laughs> Agreed. hundred percent. Yeah.
0: Yes. So my top 10 film, Keeping the Horror Train Going, <laughs> <laughs> nice. is, is um, Censor, Prano Bailey Bond's amazing horror film about the age of the video nasties in the 80s in the UK. And I saw this at Sundance and it stuck with me. It haunted me for months. And then when I saw it again to review it when it came out, I was just as floored by it. It is such a great film. It's fascinating. It is such a compelling look at the intersection of violence in media and how violence on film and then how the media takes that and blames a lot of social problems on violence in film and media when really the problem is that there are not enough social programs and funding for them. And she very deftly explores that. And the protagonist is, it's an incredible lead performance. And the protagonist is a censor herself where she's cutting material out of horror films, particularly the Video Nasties, these exploitation films. And she's dealing with the trauma of her sister who has been missing for many, many years. And she keeps thinking she's seeing her sister on these films or in these films when she's watching them. And so this leads her kind of down this path and to try to find her sister and reality also unravels for her as well. And this is just, it's incredibly well acted. It's really well shot and well edited and just a great great film and it's on hulu now so you can see it It, if you haven't yet
2: so i intend
1: to i wanted (laughs) to see it and i didn't it it reminds me the way you're describing it in a way of barbarian sound studio i don't know if you ever saw that
0: nope don't even know what that is
1: (laughs) oh it's a it's a movie with toby jones where he is a a foley artist for horror films and so he. it's a little different because it's not about you know what this is not about censoring right right (laughs) But he starts to lose his grip on reality because, you know, the, the sound of the knife going in the watermelon. Anyway, mm-hmm. if, if you can. Yeah, chance, no,
0: it definitely sounds like there's some really clear parallels. And yeah, because as she's watching these films, she's always been a really, like, tough sensor where she's cutting things out and she's very firm in what she thinks and she doesn't really seem to let it get to her. But as she keeps watching and as this is kind of commingling with her trauma about her sister, she, yeah, she starts seeing things in her personal life and seeing things on screen and maybe they're there, maybe they're not. Yeah, so it's just, it definitely is impacting her. But it, 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 it's so interesting to see how gender and exploitation of women and violence all coalesces. And so it's, yeah, it's just, it's really great. It's such a great film. So my number nine film is Nicole Regal's Holler. Oh. That's a good one. That is good. <laughs> which I adored. I love Jessica Barton in this performance. She's so good. I love Austin Emilio in this. He was um, one of my top picks for Best Supporting Actor. And yeah, this was just such a raw, emotional, moving film. And it's a story we've seen so many times, seeing, you know, kind of a coming-of-age story about a teen who's living in an impoverished community. But this is done in such a sharply nuanced way. and. It's very, I mean, it, having read interviews with Nicole Regal, it's very clear this is an extremely personal story for her. And I think that's really well conveyed in the film. Like, it feels extremely authentic. It, it doesn't minimize these characters. No one is a caricature. Everyone is fully fleshed out. And you really mm-hmm. feel the weight of these decisions. And, you know, do I bust my ass in school, getting good grades, or make money so I can try to get out. Like, which is the best way to get out? And I just... Yeah, it just... Another film that stuck with me. And that's the thing. All of the films on my list... Are all films that haunted me, all that stayed with me for months and months and months. And to me, for me personally, that's always the measure of what are the best films. Like what are the films that haunt me at night? What are the films where scenes come to me? And this was one that really, really stuck with me that I just I couldn't stop thinking about.
2: It was a good one. Yeah. I don't remember enjoying it. I don't remember, I don't think it made my my top movies, but it was another really solid movie that we saw this year. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just we don't. I don't think we see enough films that are sensitive to impoverished communities. And Mm -hmm. I wish we saw more films that did deal with poverty and did deal with class issues in a really sensitive way. Because so often, it's very clear that people haven't come from those communities and they're kind of looking at it in kind of a voyeuristic kind of way. And that's not at all what's happening here. And that just made me really appreciate it. And there's so much... There's so much emotion and acting happening in wordless scenes, especially with Jessica Barden, because she's just watching everyone around her. And it's, it's really fascinating to see her reactions to kind of chaos happening around her. So, yeah, love this. So, my number eight film is Celine Sciamma's Petite Maman, which I loved so That's much. a
2: good one. It is a good mm-hmm.
0: one. I love it. It made me cry, which... That's actually not the mark of a good film because many films make me cry. <laughs>
2: so I can't <laughs> say that's what
0: made it good. But I yeah. lo- I mean, she's my favorite filmmaker, one of. And so, I mean, there's that. Her films are always beautiful to look at. And I think she has such a great, a great eye for actors. I think she really brings out the best in actors and especially young actors. And there was a review I read about, about this film that one of the great things is that So often, when you have films about children, because these are two, they're two twin sisters, but they're not playing twin sisters in the film. They're playing mother and daughter because it's a fantasy where the daughter is seeing her mother at a young age. So, kind of moving back and forth in time in a really sweet way. Um, But I read in this review that what's great about this film is that Celine Chiama really is sensitive to children and she always depicts children because most, many of her films are stories about teens and children and she never talks down to the children. Like like the, the, the stories in the films always respect them and always respect that their feelings and emotions and decisions are valid and you don't always see that. And so I really love that and I just, I love the concept of this and I love that this is such a quiet, sweet film that again, stuck with me and I couldn't, I kept thinking about in my now we're on seven. I was like, my next film, I was going to say eight, but no, I just did eight. My number seven film was Dune, Denis Villeneuve's Dune, yeah. which I loved.
1: <laughs> yeah, I really liked it a lot, too.
0: Because it's so good. Yeah, this was a film I saw a couple of times and I loved it even, I don't want to say even more, just as certainly just as much, if not more, watching it again. And this was also one that surprised me because I wasn't, I love the book. And I love Lynch's version too. So I knew I would at least like it or I was pretty sure because I liked Denis Villeneuve's work a lot. But it just surprised me how much I enjoyed this and how much it stuck with me and how much I kept ruminating various scenes and character arcs and, and visuals. And yeah, I just found this absolutely mesmerizing and I loved being immersed in this world. And Dave, you had mentioned you liked, the thing you liked about The Green Knight was its lack of exposition. That is also what I love about Dune.
1: Yeah. <laughs> It just
0: plops you right in. There's not a lot of exposition. And if you're familiar with the stories, you know where things are going. And, you know, maybe you don't if you're not familiar with it, but I'm okay with that. I like kind of just going on the ride of where a filmmaker wants wants to take you. And I I really love that about this. And yeah, Rebecca Ferguson is great, as always. (laughs) And I really also love Jason Momoa in this. I think he's really, really good.
1: Although he does seem like he's in a different movie from everyone. He
0: does, but I think that's... (laughs) I think his character is that way.
1: Right. No, I don't think that's (laughs) detrimental to it. It's just... No, no. It's it's stark how different... It
0: is. It is. Yeah. He's having so much fun here. He has such an easy, effortless charisma. Yeah. He definitely is in a different... (laughs) But it works.
1: Yeah. It does.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But... And then my next film, my number six film, is The Green Knight, as we already talked about. And that's another mesmerizing spectacle of a film that I loved. And my number five film is Shiva Baby.
2: Nice. (laughs) It's
0: so good. The other thing I wanted to say about Shiva Baby, in addition to the horror, in addition to the comedy, of which there is so much, and this is a hilarious, hilarious film. It's one of the films that Mm. made me laugh out loud, which not a lot of comedies actually do that. They might make me chuckle. I might be amused. But no, this made me actually like laugh hard out loud. Both times I watch it. Actually, did I watch it three times? Possibly three. But anyway, what I also really love about this is I love that Emma Seligman is a queer woman. She is bi and her protagonist is bi. And I love that because as a bi woman, I don't see enough representation of myself (laughs) as being queer bi. So I love seeing that here. And yeah, I just, I love this film so much. It's so good. I think it's so sharply crafted. Really love it. And I love that it's on your ballot too, Evan.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) and I'm glad it made it to HBO Max so like a lot of people can see it
0: (laughs) yes yes I know I love that I love because yeah it had a lot of buzz beforehand but I feel like it just got such a wave of attention because of being on HBO Max as it deserved because it's so good so my number four film is Titane by Julia DeCurna and I love her. I loved her first film, Raw. And I love this film too. And it is so weird and bizarre and haunting. (laughs) And it is bold, visually striking. It's delving into body horror and gender and sexuality. And yeah. And this is so weird because this is a film that starts off where the protagonist is a serial killer. And she's a queer woman. She's a serial killer. She's very calculated and cold about it. Just very matter of fact about it. And she's ha- she has sex with a car <laughs> like within the first like, 10, 15 minutes of the film. And this film is weird. And you're like, where is this going? And then it starts to slowly shift from a film about a serial killer who has sex with cars and who has an infatuation with cars to a father-child story because she inserts herself into this man's life and she poses as his missing son. And they have this incredibly tender bond and it's very loving and very deep. And this film just is doing so many fascinating things and made me feel so many things that I was not expecting. It is sweet. It is strange. It is visually arresting. And I just... I love it and I love her vision. She is an extremely visionary filmmaker and I cannot wait to see what else she does because I love her work because her films just always floor me and always leave me just haunted and mesmerized. So loved this. Everything about it.
2: I'm embarrassed to say I still haven't seen it, but I've been hearing so much good stuff that it's that (laughs) and and censor. I feel like I really need to see. Me too. Yes.
0: Yes, you do. I wouldn't be embarrassed, though, because, I mean, there's so many films to see, you know? Like, there's just, you can't see it all. But this I would highly Mm -hmm. recommend. Like, it is weird, though. It is a really bizarre film. I mean, there's oil coming out of her body. I mean, that's the thing, too. Like, she becomes pregnant by the car. And so, it is a weird movie. But I love that. I love that it's so (laughs) strange. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a really, so she, yeah, in the beginning she gets into a car accident as a kid. And so she has titanium plates like in her head and stabilizing her neck, which is where the title of the film comes in. But it's this really fascinating look at machine and flesh and bodies and, and being cold like a machine, but then how love and acceptance, how she warms up and changes emotionally. And it's just, it's, it's so loving and lovely to see but also so bizarre it's great I love it I love it so much (laughs) I highly recommend it Mm. it is it is yeah it is a much deeper emotional film than I thought was going to that I was going to experience and I'm just so glad I did and it is just it's wonderful and it's weird and it's unforgettable love it (laughs) Mm. Um, my number three film is Passing (laughs) Because yeah. I love it so much. And this is, not again, another film that watching it multiple times, I appreciated it even more. Tessa Thompson and Ruth Naga were my favorite performances of the year. Great direction, great cinematography. Love it. My number two film is The Power of the Dog by Jane Campion. That's <laughs> Which right. Should... I was
2: surprised we hadn't gotten to that yet. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was like, that should come as no surprise since I went hard in the paint <laughs> gushing about that film because I I love Jane Campion, another one of my favorite filmmakers. I think this is a career best performance from Benedict Cumberbatch. I love Kirsten Dunst. I always love her. I've loved her ever since Interview with the Vampire. I think she is so great. I love Jesse Plemons. Um, Cody Smith-McPhee is great in this too. He's doing some really interesting things because he's such a mercurial... Character and really shifting and changing and you don't quite know where he is. But yeah, but Benedict Cumberbatch, I I oh, I never understood why people were so into him when he was on Sherlock. And having watched his career in film, I, I get it now, especially in this film, because he's just, he's so good. He's so nuanced. And I just love it. And I love, I love this film so much. And I know I gushed about it before, so I'm not gonna gush again. Maybe a little gushing, but. I just, I love this film so much and I, I love its exploration of, of masculinity and queerness and the American West and how, you know, the cowboy is seen as the quintessential man and what does that actually mean and what does that look like and really digging into that and how tenderness and being gentle are very underrated traits and are really crucial and pivotal traits, but they're often jettisoned for a much harder, rougher exterior. And I just, I really like that exploration. And I like the kind of cat and mouse game happening amongst the characters too. I just, ah, I just love this film. I love her work. I love everything. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Love,
0: love, love. And my number one film is Fernanda Valadez's identifying
1: features
2: (laughs) Ah. i thought it might be high on your ballot based on how coy you were before
0: (laughs) (laughs) i wanted to you know leave the big reveal (laughs) (laughs) but yeah this i mean when i saw this in january i was blown away as you know we talked about it and Mm -hmm. i could not stop thinking about it and then in november it's still like it was my number one film. So I do I pick I start picking my top ten around May or June. I start making my list and I'll make adjustments throughout the year. But I like to start thinking about it so I don't get quite as anxious and stressed about it because it is weirdly stressful for me. I I don't know why it is, but it really I obsess over it. So this was my number one film far and away, very easily, and it just stayed number one. And it was a film that every time I kept thinking about what films really moved me this was always at the forefront. I mean, so many scenes from this, like when her son is walking towards her and it starts out blurry and then he becomes clear and then blurry again, the long shot of the other main character who is deported. And as he's walking through the gate, coming through um, from the U S to Mexico, Mm, that is such a haunting shot watching. Yeah. Watching the main character as she's, as she's, on a quest to find her son. And, you know, she keeps getting thwarted, but she keeps persisting and looking. And these shots of her by herself on like sunset lakes and just just hunting, but these gorgeous, gorgeous images. And then at the end, the images of burning, which are awful and visceral and so powerful. And I just... I I just was absolutely destroyed by this movie. It was, I think it's masterfully directed. I think Mercedes Hernandez as the protagonist is just outstanding. She was one of my favorite performances of the year. I love how the striking cinematography juxtaposes these like moments of absolute wrenching pain, but these like beautiful, gorgeous nature shots of like sunsets and beautiful trees and it's just it's it's so. Whew. It, it's a gutting film, and it's a film mm-hmm. all about immigration and how dangerous it is for people in Mexico to cross the border to try to cross the border into the U.S. and how so many of them go missing or are dead. And it's just this. This is a very personal. Well, I shouldn't say very personal film, but. Fernanda Valdez has talked about how she's she is a Mexican filmmaker and she's talked about how this is just such a huge problem in her country and and she wanted to shine a light on it and tell a story about about this and about the mothers looking for their children and it's just ah oh, it's just gut wrenching but it is so beautifully done and I cannot believe this is her directorial debut because it is just so confidently made like she has a very clear vision and it is just so sharply done and well executed and i just I, I another filmmaker i can't wait to see what what else she does and i just i love this and this is a film i've championed all year i will continue to champion it because it is amazing i always go for yeah, the films that destroy me and this film destroyed me
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> rendered me a sobbing mess
1: couple of great lists you two.
0: thank you i would say yeah. so yourself sir ah uh, thank you <laughs> I love that we had some overlap but we also had a lot of differences a lot of variations
1: yeah
2: yeah me too I like that
0: it's funny because a lot of the films on both of your lists I'm like oh that's in my top 20 oh that's in my top 20 it's so good
2: <laughs> yeah I mean, and sometimes really just making the list can boil down, I think, for me to depending on when you ask me. because Yes, like, yes. You know, it's like I have, to, I have to make a decision, but sometimes that decision is so agonizing that it's like on a different day, I could put a couple of movies that were not in the top 10 for when I made this list, mm-hmm. could make it in and those would shuffle out, but they'd still be in my like top 20 or 30 movies from the year.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of the reason I, in a way, I hate ranking things, but yet I also love ranking things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a dialectic. I both hate it and love it because, yeah, because I'm always like upset that I leave something out. But it's the nature of the game. You got to do it. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, but identifying features far and away, number one, I'm like that I had no problem (laughs) with whatsoever. I'm like, (laughs) nope. number one, it's the best. (laughs) So do we have any final thoughts on our, on our lists?
1: Not, not for no. me. Just like I said before. Good lists, gang.
0: Mm-hmm. Good job, mm-hmm. all of
1: us. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like to pat ourselves on the back. <laughs> also, I love that they're, Dave, you had documentaries. And I love that we also had so many films that were international films, too. like Global mm-hmm. cinema. I love that. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we want to give a huge thank you to our editor, Otto Clammer. Otto, thank you for making us sound so great week after week.
2: Thanks, Otto. Thanks, Otto.
0: You can find Spoiler Peace Theater anywhere you listen to podcasts. We are in all the places. You can also find us at our website, spoilerpeace.com. You can also find us all over the place on social media. We are at Spoiler Peace on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, TikTok. You name it, we're there. So come follow <laughs> us, say hello. And speaking of saying hello, you can email us at spoilerpeace at gmail.com. Let us know which of these films you liked. What are your favorite films of the year? And in addition to emailing us, you can also give us a call
1: at 862 21 Peace.
0: You can text us. You can leave us a voicemail message, but we want to hear from you. We want to know what are your favorite films of the year? Do you agree with our picks? Do you disagree? We love it. We love hearing from you and love hearing your feedback, your comments, your questions. So be sure to reach out if you want, of course. <laughs> and if you like the show, please consider rating and reviewing us. That really helps us out. Get the word out about the show. You can go to ratethispodcast.com slash spoilerpiece and that will take you to the platform that you want to rate us on. You can also rate us on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out. And now you can rate us on Spotify. Spotify is now doing ratings on podcasts and that also helps Mm -hmm. us out tremendously. And if you really, really like, really, really like the show, consider joining our Patreon if you're not a patron already. For $5 a month, you get access to weekly bonus episodes and you get to vote in monthly polls. This week's bonus episode, we talked about the 1999 teen rom-com, 10 Things I Hate About You, which is very apropos for talking about top 10 lists of movies. And you also get access to our back catalog of films, which is... Actually, I, I was going to say it's almost two hundred. I think it's over two hundred now at this point. Yeah, I think yeah. we've
2: pushed over two hundred bonus episodes. But yeah, you get access to the whole catalog.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a lot, and the bonus episodes. Most of them are pretty lengthy, which is nice. So, so you're getting some some good good discourse, good discussion.
2: Mm-hmm. Indeed,
0: <laughs> and we always have a lot of fun with those too. Yeah. So my name is Megan Kearns. I write film reviews for Edge Media Network. I'm a member of the Boston Online Film Critics Association. You can follow me on Twitter at World or on Instagram and Letterboxd at The S.
1: My name is Dave Riedel. I write about movies. I'm a member of the Boston Online Film Critics Association and you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd as Dave Sees Movies. And
2: my name is Evan Crean. I am co-chair of the Boston Online Film Critics Association and co-author of your 80s movie guide to better living. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd as Real Recon. And that's real as in film reel.
0: Thank you so much, listeners. We appreciate you and we hope to see you next time.
2: Bye. Bye.